Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good afternoon, everyone. This is Kennard Brown speaking, your host for the Merciful Service of God Biblical Instructional Program. I decided, oh boy, what's the matter with me today? Anyway, I decided to start a little later today uh, because of certain events happening in the world as I'm speaking right now. Uh, today is February 27, 2010, and also some personal things that happened to me as well. But anyway, uh, I will, God willing, always uh, have a Bible study on Sabbath or Shabbat, but if something happens, um, I'll uh, do the best I can to inform you, um, have a future show and, and tell you the reason why, but I do the best I can to be able to do these consistently, especially in these uh, in times that we are in right now. Anyway, originally, uh, today's program is going to be about, was going to be about how to take care of our bodies based on the Bible. However, another, as I stated uh, at the opening of this program, a major event in the world has happened today. Uh, we have had a major earthquake in Chile, 8.8, and so far over 147 are dead. They seem to always want to do body counts, and you know, just one person dying is, it's not pleasurable for me at all uh, to, for anyone to die. And so it's a tragedy if just one person dies. It doesn't have to be 200,000 and millions of people to say, oh, it's something you know, terrible. No, just one person dying is, is enough for me. And God does not take pleasure in the death of the wicked or anyone for that matter, so we shouldn't either. Not to say that anyone is taking pleasure in it. I'm just saying that we should feel concerned. Uh, the Jews have an old saying, which I think is, definitely true when one person dies it's like the whole world dies that's the attitude that we ought to have when, when one person dies for any reason because again God does not take pleasure in the death of the wicked that's in Ezekiel chapter 18 so anyway let's go over what the greatest prophet in, in the universe other than God the Father himself uh, stated over in Matthew chapter 24 this is one of the most misinterpreted prophecies of all time, and yet it's so clear. If you just stop thinking you know more than God and just take it for what it says. I mean, it's very clear about what it's saying here. In Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 1, it says, Jesus went out and departed from the temple. So, of course, the focus is on the temple. The focus is always on the temple, as you'll see in Bible prophecy. And his disciples came to him, so that means if he was at the temple, then geographically he was in Jerusalem. And his disciples came to him 
to show him the buildings of the temple. Verse 2, And Jesus said unto them, See not all these things, verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, which is right across from the temple mount in Jerusalem, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming? So he's already there, so obviously they're talking about his future coming. And to understand that he's talking about, that they're talking about his future coming, it states here, and of the end of the world, or the end of the age, of, of the age meaning man trying to rule himself, which we failed horribly. Verse 4, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you or trick you. And people really don't seem to understand the significance of that statement. That many people will be tricked. And many people will be deceived into thinking that they're right when they're wrong. That's what deception is. And the only way you could get away from that is to believe the words of the Bible and only believe a man when that man is backing up what he's saying by the Scriptures. And so many people just don't seem to understand and get that. That People are more afraid of what a man says than what God says. And that's crazy because God created a man. So anyway, let's drop down here to verse 4. Well, actually, now we can hear. Verse 4, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man trick you or deceive you. Verse 5, For many shall come in my name, or talking about him, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And that word means many. A significant amount of people will be tricked in this end time. How do I know it's the end time? Because that's the focus of this prophecy. What shall be the sign of thy coming? One of the signs of his coming back is worldwide deception on who Jesus Christ is. Most people think Jesus Christ had long hair uh, and was a European. That's not the true Jesus Christ. The true Yeshua Messiah, that's his Hebrew designation, is the fact that he was a Jew. And still is a Jew, because he's still alive today in heaven, on the right side of his father. That's his position in the universe. And he's a Jew. He probably wore a kippah. He probably, um, that, that's a little hat that you see Jews wear. Uh, he he uh, did the tefillin, wrapping a letter around an arm and so forth, and, and using that to help you understand and, and realize that you must take the law of God seriously. He wore zitzits, which is explained in, in, in Numbers, chapter 15, that will enable you to help you to, to remember God's law and, and to stop sinning. He, he did all of those things. He was a Jew. There was a recent article in Time magazine that stated that one of the um, things that is going to be talked about in this century is the fact that Jesus was a Jew. Wow. You know, how long did it take for people to realize that? So I just wanted to explain that. And along with him being a Jew, he, of course, did not do away with the law, as people try to, to say that he did today, that he came to, to nail the, the, the law of Moses, which is the law of God, to, uh, to the cross. And I always have to say this when I say this. Uh, 
I know that may sound strange to some people that may be hearing me for the first time, but what you need to do is review my six-hour Bible study. It's in three parts. The first part is, uh, is entitled, um, Is the Law of Moses Nailed to the Cross? The second is, What is Sin? And the third is, One Law for All of Mankind. If you look up all the scriptures that I quote in there, is no, and if you believe God's word, there's no way you can say that the law of God is not the law of Moses, and there's no way you can say that the law of God was nailed to the cross. In other words, uh, we don't have to keep it. So anyway, getting back to verse 6 now. He said it will be worldwide deception in the 21st century. Now in verse 6, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. And we do today. Right now we are hearing rumors of wars about uh, Israel or the United States getting ready to attack Iran. And ladies and gentlemen, it looks like that may happen this year. I don't know. God didn't tell me. But he told us to watch, and that's what I'm doing. And it looks like it could happen this year. So we need to be prepared because when that does happen, Iran is threatening to close off the Strait of Hormuz, which is a major um, geographic area for distribution of oil. It's going to affect the, the markets terribly. And right now, the United States and the world is going through a severe financial crisis. And if that happened, that will just really bring things into biblical proportions, as we know it. Anyway, verse 6, And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. So we shouldn't be upset about this. We should not, uh, we should learn, and I'm going to get into this today, we need to learn to be content. Content. Matter of fact, I'm going to get into that now. Uh, let's turn to a scripture here because when these things happen, we can't lose our minds because the Bible uh, predicts that people will lose their minds. They're going to go mad because they're not prepared for these things. And we have to be, for those who are believers, when I mean by believers, people that believe that the entire Bible is valid and that we should obey to the best of our ability, all the commandments of God, that is a true Christian, that's a true believer. You, you need to, to be calm and realize that God is in control of everything. But if you're going to be troubled, as he tells you not to be troubled, then you're sinning. So you know, you, you, this, this journey that we have is about to end here. Christ is going to come back and rule this world, and there's going to be peace on the earth. But in the meantime, we have to realize that we're going to be going through suffering, we're going to go, go through um, some pain. But God will be with us. He has promised to be with us and, and get us out of that pain and suffering if we just obey him. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 8, I'm going to read this in the complete Jewish Bible version for clarity's sake. It states plainly, states plainly, so if we have food and clothing, we will be satisfied with these. So we should be content and satisfied if we have food and clothing, and of course, along with clothing, uh, a place to stay at too, a covering. That's what we should be focused on. If we have that, we need to be satisfied. We need to be satisfied. And getting back to Matthew chapter 24. The reason why I'm telling you this, ladies and gentlemen, things are getting ready to get tough here. And we can't be playing games with God here. We've got, we got to be close with him. Uh, we have to eliminate everything that we don't need right now and live the best that we can and try to increase our income. If that means getting your education, furthering your education, fine, do that. 
you got to do all you can to increase your income right now and reduce anything you don't need and cut it out because things are going to get far worse than what they already are right now, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm just telling out of love for you as a human being. You need to get with God. You need to, to change your mind. You need to start learning this Bible, and, and which most uh, Americans, unfortunately, are very ignorant of. In other words, you don't know it like you should. And you need to start studying it and obeying all the commandments that you can obey for your own sake and for your family's sake. Okay, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 6. It says, troubled. I'm just going to add an original Greek. It means to be frightened. And so he doesn't want us to be frightened. He says, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you not be frightened. For all these things must come to pass. But the end, that means the end of man trying to rule himself, is not yet. And then in Matthew 24, verse 7, for nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, which is indicating that uh, it has something to do with the financial crisis we have right now. Famines mean you don't have what you need to survive and eat. And we're going through that right now. And then along with that come diseases, just like in Haiti with that earthquake. What happened? And you have diseases. And then you have earthquakes. And all three of those is happening right now in Haiti. And he says in various places. Now, there's another scripture that, that um, I want to emphasize here in reference to the earthquakes. Uh, let's turn to uh, Luke chapter 21, verse 11. Luke chapter, oh, I'm sorry, Luke chapter, uh, what is it, 21, verse 11, I'm sorry. Luke chapter uh, 21, verse 11. says, and great earthquakes, so not just earthquakes, but great earthquakes shall be in various places. And notice, that's not just saying it's going to be in a poor area. It's going to be in various places. It can be rich, poor, in between, worldwide. And famines and pestilence and fearful sights and great signs shall be, there be from heaven. This is a parallel scripture from Matthew chapter 24. It's talking about the same thing, but, you know, he uses different uh, words. Uh, in some cases, not exactly the same, but it's talking about the same event that happened when he, when the disciples asked him when he's going to come back and what events are linked with him coming back. So, and then in, in verse 8 of Matthew chapter 24, it says, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Just the beginning of sorrows. Now, I'm going to turn to Isaiah chapter 24, and it's very interesting that Isaiah 24 and Matthew 24 are basically talking about the same thing. But Isaiah chapter 24 is really, really cutthroat in reference to the destruction that's going to happen on the earth very soon. And all this is happening because of our sins. Let's turn to um, Isaiah chapter 24, which is a parallel scripture to Matthew 24. Isaiah chapter 24. And I want you to notice here, machines aren't doing this. For some people that have read a book called Apollyon, whatever it is, people, somebody making money and saying that, well, what is it? Uh, Jesse Ventura he has his program. He wrote a book, by the way, and he's making money off of it, too. Uh, about, you know, some of the things he says in there is true, but some other things are speculative about a machine that's supposed to cause earthquakes and all that. Well, God says this to Jesse Ventura and anyone else who wants to believe that. In uh, Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse 1, it says, See, the Lord, I'm reading this in the basic, in the basic, um, 
Bible English version. For clarity, say the Bible and basic English version. It says in verse one, it says, "See, the Lord, not a machine, is making the earth waste and unpeople. He is turning it upside down and sending the people in all directions." So, for those people who think that God needs a man to do what He can do on His own, I say thee nay. You don't know what you're talking about, and you need to believe what God is saying here. Isaiah chapter 24, verse 1. See, the Lord, not a machine, is making the earth waste and unpeople. Now, how do you make the earth waste? By earthquakes, of course, and I'm going to prove that as we continue to read this. Making the earth waste and unpeople. He is turning it upside down and sending the people in all directions. So it, it can't get no clearer than that, ladies and gentlemen. This is the uh, Bible and basic English version. Verse 2. And it will be the same for the people as for the priests, for the servant as for his master, and for the woman servant, as for her owner, the same for the one offering goods for a price, as for him who takes them, the same for him who gives money at interest, and for him who takes it, the same for him who lets others have the use of his property, as for those who make use of it. Verse 3, the earth will be completely waste and without men. And, so that you understand, it says, for this is the word of God, for this is the word of the Lord. So in verse 3, the earth will be completely waste and without men, for this is the word of the Lord. This is where we're coming to, ladies and gentlemen. Wake up! Wake up. Verse 4, the earth is souring and wasting away. The world is full of grief and wasting away. The high ones of the earth come to nothing. All these rich folks that this book talks about, they're going to come to nothing. Verse 5, the earth has been made unclean by those living in it. Because the laws have not been kept by them, the orders have been changed. So the law wasn't changed by him. It was changed by the people who, who felt the law should be changed. That's what he's saying. The orders have been changed, and the eternal agreement has been broken. The eternal agreement, which is his commandments, keeping his commandments. Verse 6, for this cause, the earth is given up to the curse. What's the curse? The curse is, curses are listed in... Deuteronomy chapter 28 and Leviticus chapter 26. Whenever you break his law, you're cursed. And those in it are judged as sinners. For this cause, those living on the earth are burned up, and the rest are small in number. That's alluding to nuclear devastation and destruction, along with other different types of events that are going to be happening soon, which will end up burning up many people. Verse 7. The new wine is thin, the vine is feeble, and all the glad-hardened sounds make sounds of grief. The pleasing sound of all instruments of music have come to an end, and the voices of those who are glad. There is no more drinking of wine with a song. Strong drink will be bitter to those who take it. The town is wasted and broken down. Every house is shut up so that no man may come in. This is going to happen, ladies and gentlemen, unless there's a massive, miracle-filled repentance worldwide, which I don't see happening anytime soon. Verse 11, there is a crying in the streets of the wine. There is an end of all delight. The joy of the land is gone. In the town all is waste, and in the public place is destruction. For it will be, and this is talking about worldwide destruction, ladies and gentlemen. Verse 13, for it will be in the heart of the earth among the peoples, like the shaking of an olive tree, as the last of the grace after the getting in is done. But those will be making sounds of joy. They will be crying loudly from the sea for the glory of the Lord. Give praise to the Lord in the east. In the name of the Lord, the God of Israel in the sea lands. From the farthest part of the earth comes the sound of songs. Glory to the upright. But I said, I am wasting away. Wasting away. The curse is on me. The false ones go on in their false way. Yes, they go on acting falsely. 
Verse 17, fear and death and the net are come upon you, O people of the earth. Not just the Jews, everybody, because everybody sins, including the Jews. Verse 18, and it will be that he who goes in flight from the sound of fear will be taken, will be overtaken by death. And he who gets free from death will be taken in the net. For the windows on high are open and the bases of the earth are shaking. Earthquakes. Verse 19, the earth is completely broken. It is parted in two. Earthquakes. It is violently moved. Earthquakes. Verse 20, the earth will be moving uncertainly. Earthquakes. Like a man overcome by drink, it will be shaking like a tent. And the weight of his sin will be on it, crushing it down so that it will not get up again. Verse 21, and that day the Lord will send punishment on the army of the high ones on high and on the kings of the earth on the earth. And they will be got together like prisoners in the prison house. And after a long time they will have their punishment. Verse 23, then the moon will be veiled and the sun put to shame for the Lord of armies will be ruling in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before his judges he will let his glory be seen. And notice that God is doing all this. There's no machine doing it. Okay, and when you look at verse 1, it says, See, the Lord is making the earth waste. Not a machine. The Lord is making the earth waste and unpeopled. He is turning it upside down and sending the people in all directions. So for people who are reading this, I mean, looking at Jesse Ventura, some of the stuff that he talks about is right, some of it is not right. And God is not going to use a machine to cause the kind of devastation that was caused in Chile today. And they're not, you know, this is, they're, there's a theory saying that people, the, the elite or the rich people that God talks about here in Matthew chapter 24 and Isaiah 24 and other parts in James chapter 5, that they're targeting poor people. Well, Chile is not a poor country. It's one of the richest countries in South America, so that theory goes by the wayside, as all theories do when you compare it against God's Word. So anyway, let's go back here. Let's see. Now, what I want to mention is that that earthquake in Haiti happened January 12, 2010. It was 7.0, and over 150,000 were killed. And, and in Chile today, unfortunately, it was an 8.8 earthquake and so far over 147 are dead so we need to be praying for the poor people in Chile and continue to pray for the poor people in Haiti uh, that uh, they are, are helped and, and ask our great God to, to have compassion and mercy on them and to heal them spiritually and physically of any uh, thing that has happened to them now currently the entire Pacific Basin is in danger of a tsunami this includes Hawaii Alaska and California, and I'm just checking the CNN website here. Uh, I know there were sirens uh, going on, and I, I don't really know what's going on right now, uh, but uh, they were saying that a wave could hit Hawaii any minute. Any oh, boy, what is the matter with me? <laughs> that a wave can hit Hawaii any minute now. So let's be praying that God has mercy on the people of Hawaii, and let's just pray that, that nothing... Uh, in a catastrophic uh, type of uh, way happens because God does have mercy. He has mercy and compassion, and we need to pray that that the poor people in Hawaii are spared of any disaster. And if he does a lot of disaster, then obviously he's doing it for a reason, and we need to understand that. Okay. 
got uh, 36 minutes left here. Now, currently, Chile is one of South America's most stable and prosperous nations. I'm getting this information from wikipedia.org. It leads Latin American nations in human development, competitiveness, quality of life and political stability, globalization, economic freedom, low perception of corruption, and, and comparatively low poverty rates. It also ranks high regionally in freedom of the press and democratic development. However, just like in the United States, it has a high, it has a high income inequality. That means there's a big gap between the rich and the poor, as measured by the Gini Index, that's G-I-N-I. So I, I want to go over real quickly and, and, and kind of clarify this for people who don't understand this, that God is the one that controls natural disasters. It's not controlled by a machine or a man or whatever. It's, it's God doing it. And uh, one scripture that I want to quote here in Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah chapter 18, starting in verse 7. It states, uh, At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation? and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and destroy it. If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent or change of the evil that I thought to do unto them. So he means what he says, ladies and gentlemen. This applies to anyone, not just to Jews, but anyone. If any nation, those in Chile and Haiti and whatever, if that nation, as he states, against whom I have pronounced, or, or if there's any kind of catastrophe that happens, if you turn from your evil, I will, he will repent of the evil that he thought to do unto you. And at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it, if it do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, then I will repent or change of the good whereof I said I would benefit them. And this is a, a law that I don't see, or a statement by the eternal God that's not quoted too much. I think with, with uh, Christians, because they believe the Old Testament is done away with, and I don't know if the Jews refer to this too often, but anyway. Uh, Job chapter 37. Job chapter 37, starting in verse 11. I'm going to read this in the, in the uh, contemporary English version, for clarity's sake. It says, rain clouds filled, in, in Job 37, verse 11, rain clouds filled with lightning appear at God's command. So the, the rain clouds and the lightning appear at God's command, not a machine's. Okay, so God controls the weather. Um, let's turn to, oh, I'm not through yet. Traveling across the sky to release their cargo, sometimes as punishment for sin, as in Job 37, verse 13. So sometimes he uses it, the, the rain and the lightning, for punishment for sin, and sometimes for kindness. So it's not all the time when you when you see these devastating acts, uh, natural disasters, that is always for punishment. Sometimes it's for kindness. And what I, let me explain. There may be a drought occurring, and then all of a sudden God sends a, um, a thunderstorm. Well the, well, the rain is going to help the drought. So that's one way where he's sending it for kindness. Okay. Job 36, verses 29 to 32. Job 26, verses 29. 
and this is in the New American Standard Bible Version, verse 29, Can anyone understand the spreading of the clouds, the thundering of his pavilion? Behold, he spreads his lightning about him, and he covers the depths of the sea. For by these he judges peoples. He gives food in abundance. So again, he uses it for punishment, and other times he uses it to give food. All right, so God has multiple reasons why he allows natural uh, disasters to occur or uh, thunderstorms and, 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 and so forth. In particular, this is talking about thunderstorms, lightning, because when you have lightning, you have rain. So he can either judge people by that or he gives food in abundance. And he says he covers his hands with the lightning and commands it to strike the mark. So again, he, not a machine, is in total control of the weather, of the thunderstorm. Well, you know, these scriptures are very clear about what it's saying here. We just have to take it for what it says and believe it. Uh, Amos chapter 4. Amos chapter 4. Amos chapter 4, verse 6. It says, But I gave you also cleanness of teeth, and this is in a, a King James Version, and all your cities and lack of bread in all your places, yet you have not turned to me. And that's what's happening right now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, across the world. And it says right here, but I give, gave you also cleanness of teeth in all your cities and lack of bread in all your places, yet you have not returned to me. So what he'll do, he'll take away uh, the ability to make as much money as you normally can to get you to wake up. It seems that when people's stomachs hurt, that's when they start to wake up, and he knows that. So that's what he does, and it's very effective. It's, it's worked in the past. And uh, verse 7, furthermore, I've withheld the rain from you, and he does, you know, he does, uh, he withholds the rain. Well, there was still three months into harvest. Then I would send rain on one city, and on another city I would not send rain. One part would be rained on, while the, the part not rained on would dry up. So two or three cities would stagger to another city to drink water, but would not be satisfied. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I smote you with scorching wind and mildew, and the caterpillar was devouring your many gardens and vineyards, fig trees and olive trees. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I sent the plague among you after the manner of Egypt. I slew your young men by the sword, along with your captured horses, and I made the stench of your camp rise up in your nostrils. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. He does this so that people will recognize him and repent and start to obey him. Verse 11, I overthrew you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were like a firebrand snatched from a blaze. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. Hopefully I'll get into the sins of Sodom uh, toward the end of this Bible study today, but... Again, you can see that God is very active in these natural disasters, ladies and gentlemen. And why is he? Why is he? Well, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 59 and find out. Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah 59. Starting in verse 1. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not too short that it cannot save, nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. This is in the New American Standard Bible Version. Verse 2, But your iniquities, or our iniquities, have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. That's the reason why he allows these things. Because we don't obey him. And the curse of not obeying him is destruction. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't understand that by now, uh, verse 6, of Isaiah 59 it says, Their webs will not become clothing, nor will they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and an act of violence is in their hands. 
It says their feet run to evil. They run to evil. They don't walk to evil. The majority of people's feet run to evil in this world, unfortunately. And they hasten to shed innocent blood. That reminds me of the 1.2 million abortions that are done every year in this country. That's innocent blood, and they hasten to do it. How dare they do that? And God is going to judge these people that are killing babies as I'm speaking. He's going to judge his country. He's already judging his country with snow. And you better be praying that he doesn't destroy California with an earthquake. Or Alaska. Or Hawaii. It says, and an act of violence is in their hands. Verse 7, they, their feet run to evil and they hasten to shed innocent blood. They hasten to do it. They don't hesitate. They hasten to do it. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Devastation and destruction are in their highways. And verse 8, of course, they do not know the way to peace. How can they when they're killing babies? And there is no justice in their tracks. They have made their paths crooked. Whoever threads on them does not know peace. Isaiah 45, verse 7. It says, The one forming light and creating darkness, which is God, causing well-being and, and creating calamity, I am the Lord who does all these things. So this is a clear statement, ladies and gentlemen, for those that think they know more than God. It says right here, Isaiah 45, verse 7, The one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creates calamity. He is the one that creates these things. Tsunamis earthquakes, natural disasters. He creates it. He says, I, the Lord, who does all these. It's not a machine. Let's wake up. Let's stop being deceived by the devil and wake up. All right. Uh, Amos 3, verse 6. says, if a trumpet is blown in a city, will not the people tremble? If a calamity occurs in a city, has not the Lord done it? That's in Amos 3, verse 6. If a trumpet is blown in a city, will not the people tremble? If a calamity occurs in a city, has not the Lord done it? The Lord. Again, not a machine or any other way, but the Lord has done it. And if you have a problem with these scriptures, you have a problem with God. My role is just to tell you what the Bible says. And it's our role to do what the Bible says. Isaiah chapter 29. Isaiah chapter 29. How many times I got left here? 25 minutes. Isaiah chapter 29. Isaiah chapter 29, verse 6. It says, From the Lord of hosts, not from a machine. From the Lord of hosts you will be punished with thunder and earthquake and loud noise, with whirlwind and tempest and the flame of a consuming fire. And that's a lot of punishment. This is what the Bible says. Verse 7, And the multitude of all the nations who wage war against Ariel, which is another name for Jerusalem, even all who wage war against her, Jerusalem and her stronghold, and who distress her, will be like a dream, a vision of the night. It will be as when a hungry man dreams, and behold, he is eating. But when he awakens, his hunger is not satisfied. Or as when a thirsty man dreams, and behold, he is drinking. But when he awakens, behold, he is faint. 
and his thirst is not quenched. Thus the multitude of all the nations will be who wage war against Mount Zion. So if you mess with God, if you mess with Jerusalem, you're messing with God. You mess with the Jews, you're messing with him. And I tell you, I feel sorry for you if you do that, because you're going to get it, according to these scriptures. So stop it. Anyway, Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 22. It says, How long, O naive ones, I'm still reading this in the New American Standard Bible Version, how long, O naive ones, or simple ones, of people that don't think or allow people to easily influence them, to deceive them, those, those are naive ones, how long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded and scoffers, that's, Simple-minded is also people that are easily deceived and tricked and believe everything they read and not checking carefully on what they're reading and or they believe everything they see and not checking carefully what they see with the Bible. Anyway, you will love being simple-minded, and scoffers delight themselves in scoffing and fools hate knowledge. And God calls each and every one of us a fool, not me, but God, if we hate knowledge. If we don't want to learn anything, then we're called fools. So let's not be fools. Verse 23, I don't care if I learn knowledge from a, a little beetle. If the beetle got knowledge, just like the donkey had, uh, with Balaam, then I'm going to listen. Verse 23, turn to my reproof. But see, they have to have knowledge. That's the key. They have to make sense. Verse 23, turn to my reproof or correction. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Verse 24, because I called and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. Like they're not today. Uh, collectively, the world is not paying attention to the true God that I'm preaching about in this Bible. Verse 25, and you neglected all my counsel, and that's what they're doing, most of them, and did not want my reproof. They don't, hardly anyone in this world wants God's correction. I know that. How do I know that? Well, do we have peace? If we had peace, then, then uh, most people would uh, obey God. But that's not the case. That's why I know. And back in Isaiah chapter 24, it tells you the reason why the world doesn't have peace, because people collectively break the law of God. It's that simple. But anyway, right now as I'm speaking, there's abortions. Right now as I'm speaking, there's murders. Right now as I'm speaking, there's rapes. Uh, uh, right now there's somebody filming another pornography movie. Uh, th there's all kinds of wickedness that's going on as I'm speaking. That's not peace. That's not peace. Verse 24, because I called and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. Verse 25, and you neglected all my counsel and did not want my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes. And you do not want God to laugh when you, when you have difficult times. But this is what he will do if you don't obey him. Verse 27, he says, when your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind or a hurricane, when distress and anguish come upon you, Verse 28, then they will call upon me, and that's the way we are. We have to wait for something to happen first. And something happened first, then we call them, but see what he tells you here. And this is something you need to pay attention to. Then when they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. And of course, later on he will eventually, but hey, if you, if you are expecting an immediate response from God, when you maliciously and purposely don't obey. It's different if you ignorantly don't obey and don't know his law. It's different. But if you know the law of God and you're rebelling against him and don't want to obey him, he is not going to respond to you right away. Verse 28, 
Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. In verse 29, for them to hate the knowledge, they had to know it. It says in verse 20, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? They hate evil in Proverbs 8, verse 13. And then verse 30, they will not accept my counsel. They spurn all my reproof. Verse 20, so they shall eat the fruit of their own way, which in this context is evil, and be satiated with their own devices. Verse 32, for the waywardness of the knave will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy it. What does it mean to be complacent, ladies and gentlemen? What does it mean to be complacent? Let's find that out. Let's look in the original Hebrew for that. Uh, let me take a look here. Well, the King James Version has that word pros prosperity. It means security, quietness. So getting back to the New American Standard Bible Version, it says, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. That means thinking you're secure. But this is this is talking about fools thinking they're secure because they think they can get along without the knowledge of God. Verse 33, this, it says right here in Proverbs 1, verse 33, but he who listens to me shall live securely. So that's the key. That's why he tells you not to be troubled in Matthew chapter 24. If you just stop trying to do things your way and do things his way, he promises that he who listens to me shall live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil. That's all you need to do, ladies and gentlemen, is go by his word and obey him. And if you do that, you won't be troubled. You won't be worrying about machines or anything else. You, you will have that spirit of calm and a clear mind if you just obey him. That's what you have to do, ladies and gentlemen. Not be so quick to believe what a man says unless he backs it up by Scripture. Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11. Verse 15. And the seven angels sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And that's the day that I'm looking. I, I, I really look forward to that day. And the twenty-four elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces, worshiping God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was, and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power, and hast reigned. And the nations were angry. So isn't this something? When he comes back, the nations are angry. That should tell you right there there's something wrong with the majority of people on the earth, ladies and gentlemen. For, for all the nations to still be angry when he comes back, but that's what's going to happen. When he lands on the Mount of Olives, the nations will still be angry, and they're going to try to fight him, and the saints, and the angels. Verse 18, and the nations were angry, and thy wrath has come. But see, you don't want to compare to his anger. See, it says, and thy wrath, there's no comparison, that's what I'm trying to say, between his anger and our anger. Say, and thy wrath has come, and the time of the dead, and, and you know, this is the time of the resurrection, that they should be judged, and that you should give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and to them that fear thy name, small and great, and should destroy them, which destroy the earth. So he's going to destroy people who want to destroy the earth. That's what's going to happen. That's as I read you in Isaiah chapter 24. In Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. 
Isaiah chapter 9. Starting in verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. This is talking about the Messiah. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Verse 7, Of the increase of his government and peace shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord will perform this. Very beautiful scripture. Now, this global financial crisis is is getting to the point of where is is it's just a real serious problem right now, ladies and gentlemen. And we all need to to take it to heart, and we need to to realize that things are, are falling apart right now, unfortunately. And and we need to just take it seriously. I'm just going to read a little bit from this uh, article. I was trying to find it here. I finally found it. February 21, 2010, says the new poor, millions of unemployed, face years without jobs. This is in the United States. And this article is by Peter S. Goodman, and he wrote it uh, from uh, Buena Park, California. It says, even as the American economy shows tentative signs of a rebound, which is a lie, it's not showing any signs of a rebound, the human toll of the recession, or misunderstanding on his part, the human toll of the recession continues to mount with millions of Americans remaining out of work, out of savings, and nearing the end of their unemployment benefits. That is the situation right now. Obama is not telling you, the Obama administration, either they're not aware of these things or they're not accurately telling the American people what's really going on. I have to be careful not to respect the President of the United States, but I know personally <laughs> that things aren't getting any better. You know, I know that, and my wife definitely knows. It. Anyway, economists feel that the the recovery will leave more people behind than in past recessions, failing to create jobs in sufficient numbers to absorb the record-setting ranks of the long-term unemployed. Call them the new poor, people long accustomed to the comforts of middle-class life who are now relying on public assistance for the first time in their lives, potentially for years to come. Yet the social safety net is already showing severe strains. Roughly 2.7 million jobless people will lose their unemployment check before the end of April, and that is happening right now. Congress, they're just dilly-dallying around, and they, and they did not, they weren't able to approve the bill yet, so people are going to be losing their unemployment checks unless they are, I think they're trying to, to approve it so they can extend it again, but still, how long can they keep on extending it? And how long will these people remain unemployed? They need jobs right now, not not unemployment checks. They need a job to make more money. So anyway, because um, yet the social safety net is already showing severe strains. Roughly 2.7 million jobless people will lose their unemployment check before the end of April unless Congress approves the Obama administration's proposal to extend the payments according to the Labor Department. And it talks. It gives a poor example of this poor woman. Please pray for her. You know, I, I don't know her, but she's a sister. She's uh, one of my sisters. We all are sisters and brothers as human beings, and, and we all should be loving one another. So even whether you know this woman or not, you should pray for her. Here in Southern California, Jean Eisen, E-I-S-E-N, has been without work since she lost her job selling beauty salon equipment more than two years ago. And in several months, she has endured with neither a paycheck nor an unemployment check. She has relied on local food banks for her groceries. I can definitely relate to the food banks. She has learned to live without the prescription medication she is supposed to take for her high blood pressure. This is terrible. And cholesterol. She has been 
become effusely religious and unexpected turn. That's what happens uh, with people when everything's taken away from them. Oh, God comes into their lives, you know, and God wants you to come into his life at all times, not just when something terrible is happening in your life. But anyway, it is an effective way to, to for him to get for him to uh, get your attention. Anyway, it says an unexpected turn for this one time stand up comic with X rated material, oh my goodness. Finding in, in Christianity her only form of health insurance. I pray for healing, says Miss Eisen, when it looks like she's getting it. When you've got nothing, you've got to go with what you know. It says warm, outgoing, and prone to the positive, Miss Eisen has worked much of her life, like we most have, at least I hope most of us have worked all our lives. Now she is one of 6.3 million Americans, one of 6.3 million Americans who have been unemployed for six months or longer. The largest number since the government began keeping track in 1948. This is more than double the total in the next worst period in the early 1980s. Ladies and gentlemen, what is happening in this country is um, in the light or in the context of biblical proportions. And then just to give you a little bit of how they're suffering here. Well, actually, I say right here, let me state this. In 1983, after a deep recession, women in that range made only 7% of those who had been out of work for six months or longer, according to the Labor Department. Last year, they made up 14%. Twice, Ms. Eason, or Eisen exhausted her unemployment benefits before a check was restored by a federal extension. Last week, her check ran out again. She and her husband now settled their bills with only 1595 monthly disability check. The rent on their apartment is $1,380. We're, look, we're looking at the very real possibility of being homeless. And I just want to quote this here. This, I hate this, this attitude that companies have, but this is the attitude that companies have today, ladies and gentlemen. This is in light of James chapter 5. It says, American business is about maximizing shareholder value. In other words, it's about making money, said Alan uh, Sinai, or Sinai, I guess, chief global economist at the uh, research firm Decision Economics. You basically don't want workers. You hire less, and you try to find capital equipment to replace them. So this is the mentality today of, of, of business. They don't want to have workers. They want to try to replace workers and cut costs as much as possible, and they want to replace it with technology. That is the mentality today, ladies and gentlemen. This is from the New York Times, okay? So it's not from some hogwash type of uh, media source, okay? This is from the New York Times. So this is a credible source here. And I encourage you to read the rest of this article uh, for your for your own sake, okay? And uh, just type in Google. It says, the new poor, millions of unemployed face years without jobs. And it's by Peter S. Goodman. It's a very good article to help you understand what's really going on, uh, what the media will fail to tell you about what's really going on uh, as far as the economy here in the United States and worldwide. Okay, in these remaining eight minutes, I want to summarize uh, some things here. I wanted to go over James chapter 5. I'll go over that here real quickly, and then we'll just uh, end up today. Uh, and I'll next week uh, go over the other things I wanted to go over. But uh, let's turn to James chapter 5 here. James chapter 5. I think next week I'm going to try to get that Bible study in for uh, what we should do as far as taking care of our bodies. James 5, unless something else major happens. James 5, verse 1, it says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. So these 
New World Order folks or whoever they think they are, they're going to get it soon. Verse 2, your riches have rotted and your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have rusted and the rust. Let me read this in complete Jewish Bible version. It says, verse 1, I love the way this is phrased in the complete Jewish Bible version. It says, next, a word for the rich. Weep and wail over the hardships coming upon you. Verse 2, your riches have rotted and your clothes have become moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded. And the corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat up your flesh like fire. This is the last days, and you have been storing up wealth for the last days. That's, that's a prophecy, and the, you know, the United States is the richest country in the world. So this is definitely a message for them, or for us. Verse 4, listen, the wages you have fraudulently withheld from the workers who mold your fields, back then it was fields today, it's not fields, and maybe working in buildings or whatever, are called out against you, and the outcries of those who are harvested have reached the, the ears of the Lord of Armies. Verse 5, you have led a life of luxury and self-indulgence here on the earth in a time of slaughter. You have gone on eating to your heart's content. You have condemned. You have murdered the innocent. Here we go again with the allusion to abortions and many other innocent deaths, but abortions is right along with that. They have not withstood you. Verse 7, so how can a little baby withstand you? Can't. It's impossible, right? Verse 7, so brothers, be patient until the Lord returns. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, he is patient over it until he it receives the fall and spring rains. You too be patient, and I tell you, we 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 gotta learn how to be patient and content, ladies and gentlemen, especially now. Keep up your courage, for the Lord's return is near. Why is it near? Because He's telling you the signs. One of the signs is filthy rich countries and people, uh, oppressing people. That's one of the major signs of Him coming back, and that's what's occurring now as I'm speaking. Verse 8, you too, be patient. Keep up your courage for the Lord's return is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers, or complain, so that you won't come under condemnation. Look, the judge is standing at the door. He's standing at the door right now. As an example of suffering mistreatment and being patient, brothers, take the prophecies spoken in the name of Adonai, or the Lord. Look, we regard those who preserved as blessed. You have heard of the perseverance of, let me switch versions here. <laughs> it's a Hebrew word, I don't know. Uh, it says right here. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. And boy, what, I never went what Job went through, and yet sometimes I complain, and I shouldn't. And I'm sure you guys have gone through far less than what Job went through. He had to sit there and scrape his skin, and his skin was bleeding and stuff. He was in pain. We never went through that. He had everything taken away from him. He was rich, and he had everything taken away from him. I can relate to that. I can relate to not having nothing. But I can't relate to having boils all over my skin and scraping it and blood all over the place. I, I can't relate to that. So he went through a whole lot more than I did because he had so much more to lose. Anyway, verse 12. But above all things, my brethren, swear not neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay nay, that not you fall into condemnation. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. So when we go into problems, we need to pray and stop complaining. Is, there, is, is any merry? Let him sing psalms. You should sing spiritual songs, any any type of songs that will motivate you to obey God. And, of course, if any sick among you, let him call for the elders of your community or congregation and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil, and you should anoint them in the area of, of sickness. In the name of the Lord, and in the prayer of the faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven unto him. It says, Confess your faults one to another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. And it's talking about your your, your sicknesses. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And it gives you an example of Elijah. Was a man subject to like passions like we? In other words, he sinned too. 
And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. So this is a sinful, righteous person praying, and God heard him. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, the earth and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and want to convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. This is what I try to explain to individuals that, hey, when I correct him, I'm doing it out of love because I'm trying to save them <laughs> from death, from eternal death. All right? And, and, and any, any true servant of God, Torah teacher, will, will be concerned about whoever they preach to. And they don't want to see them eternally die. You, you, want, you want to see them live forever. And so you, you lovingly try to correct them. But a lot of people are stubborn. They don't want to be corrected. They think they know everything. So um, I wanted to go over some other scriptures here, but I'm not going to have enough time. But what I'm going to su what I suggest you do, ladies and gentlemen, I, I've suggested before to go over this. I'm going to explain a little bit more what the new world order is uh, next week, and I'm hoping to merge in the Bible study with health next week too. So I'm probably going to need about 90 minutes to do that next week, but I'm going to go over uh, what the New World Order is and what the Bible has to say about it next week. And in the meantime, I have a little homework for you to do. I suggest and highly recommend that you look at the following videos, and they're, they're free online. The first video is called American, America, Freedom to Fascism. You can get that on Google. Just type in America, Freedom to Fascism, and it'll explain to you the IRS and how we got to a point where the government is taxing our income. That's all I'm going to say there. You just go ahead and see it for yourself. And then www.iousa, the movie.com, iousa.themovie.com, explains to you the situation that we have here in this country as far as the death because the media is not really, or the White House is not really telling you the truth about or I'm not saying they're purposely lying, but they're not telling you the complete story of it. Um, www.truthin2008.org it tells you that explains you that we're over 70 trillion dollars in debt. The money masters and the Obama deception. Uh, please look at that video, and then www.infowars.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for today. I will speak to you next week. Until then, may God bless and keep you. And please, let's pray for the poor people in Chile. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.